This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast. And we're back again. Another week, another podcast, another co-host. Well, no, the same co-host. Hi, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> but the question is, Jan, am I digital talent? Um, well, for me, yes. I only see you in like a stamp size square on my screen all the time. So I'm not even sure if you're real or just a Dali chat GPT combination of things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, once once upon a time we we met physically, but uh, actually not all that long ago. So you have you have seen me in. Uh, oh, let's think of a, a terrible deep way fake. to describe it. You have seen me in Meat Space. How's deep, that? Uh, that was a deep fake. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, so um, we're continuing this uh, interesting trend of conversations, <laughs> I mean, interesting in the loosest possible sense of the word, um, of conversations stimulated and inspired by uh, Forrester. And you know, the, the, the curious thing is last week we talked about uh, anywhere work being here to stay. And this week uh, we're talking about the fact that actual, actually digital talent will return to more conventional organizations. Um, and like, is it me, Jon, or are these two things actually maybe not completely opposed, but they're certainly like they're certainly not in the same direction. They're sort know. of I, cross purposes a bit. Maybe well, sort of things because they're not saying it won't be able to work remotely at more conventional organizations. This mm -hmm. is more about the fact that uh, the big tech companies, the Google, Microsoft, Amazon, Facebooks, uh, that whole, what's it called? Fang or Fnaco, what is it again? Fang. Fang thing. Oh, they changed it a couple of times, so I forget now what it is. But people, if you came out of school, that's where you wanted to go to work. Now, if that's a good choice or not, we'll talk about that in a second. What they're saying here is that, well, because of cuts in VC funding, apparently, Flying up, the big companies are kind of stopping their hiring. Is that permanent? We'll talk about that as well in a second. But since that is not taking up all of the new influx of people, the traditional conventional organizations, and they give the example of banks here, which is kind of crazy in my opinion, because banks never are short of people, but they will not also be able to benefit from the talent leaving the schools, maybe working from home or not. Okay. That makes more sense. <laughs> I make still, sense. It's a historical I day. Still, I still am concerned that these two things are more opposed than I would like, but I'm willing to go with you on this on this journey. Uh, I mean, it, it it does make sense. The It's not just sort of funding and that sort of thing that is drying up. M many of these organizations that have been um, doing uh, force reductions are essentially acknowledging um, that and we had a great sort of chat with Rodolfo back probably December. yeah back to, back in December around this this particular situation. Many of them are essentially now acknowledging that they overhired. They they hired based on the trends and trajectories that their organisations were growing based on and certain market knew forces when they back did then. It. Uh, yes, but they they frankly didn't. Got it. They just didn't really think far enough ahead. I think is what, it, uh, for me at least, this is that's what it boils down to. Um, they were not thoughtful enough in their longer term planning, and they just figured, oh, we'll just hire more people and figure out as we go. Surprise, surprise! You know that doesn't always work out terribly well for those people that you hire. So 
I mean, if you if you say that some of these organisations and the the Forrester document mentions something between ten and forty percent of of their workforce being cut from these new agile fun startup tech places. It's a forty percent workforce reduction, not just going out of business. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's some of these things are where organizations have decided entire lines of their business are kind of not working out. Some of them are where they're just making slices across the whole organization. Some of them are, are far more targeted towards certain problem areas. But if you've, if you've sort of had, if you've had that taste of an organization that is maybe different, maybe growing very quickly, you've had that startup experience, maybe you really enjoyed it. I can, I, I definitely get that a lot of people, you know, will just, they'll look for a job because they, they've got, you know, a mortgage to pay, they've got bills to pay, and therefore they will need, you know, something to continue to sustain themselves. Completely get that. But I'm not sure how much of that talent will stay in those roles longer term like if something um, if something opens up like at an organization or somewhere that is more aligned to what they enjoy surely those people will go back towards that journey Ooh, i've got a couple of problems with that Ooh, love it uh, bring it on first off a person is not a finite thing when we grow up, we change and our preferences change. When you're young, mm -hmm. you're 20, you're not attached, you have no children, you want to fly all, all over the world. Then you have a family, you have babies, and your wife says, you stay home now. Uh, <laughs> you get older, you see the world, you don't want to fly to New York every other day. You as a person will change as well. Sometimes you want to become a manager and... Well, um, I, I pity you from the bottom of my heart, but that will also change how you see yourself functioning because being a manager in a startup or being a individual contributor in a startup are two entirely different things as individual contributor you can have a lot of fun because it's chaos and whatever you do your best and if you i was going to say a bad word you do dumb things and it's okay because it's a startup as a manager you do dumb things you break the company so there's a lot more i would assume i'm a manager but i would assume there's a lot more stress a lot more responsibility laying on their shoulders shoulders so again, as a person, uh, the person's change. And at a certain age, you could say, well, that starts with fun, but now I'm going to go to a bank and uh, hey, this isn't bad. And that's my second thing. In the intro, I already mentioned uh, a little bit, but I don't think people coming out of school should go to work for a Google or a Microsoft or something like that. I mean, they've done a lot of marketing because they need a lot of people. They're, mm. they're a meat churner. They want low-cost people coming in, do a bit of jobs, and then the good ones they pick out to stay, and the rest gets pushed out again, and that's how the whole thing works. And they need to keep that fresh influx to get the top level working well, and that's just how it runs. So as a school leaver, I mean, it's fine, it's great to have that on your CV or anything like that, mm. but going from school directly to a Google, a Microsoft, as this is where I want to live, uh, live for the rest of my life, I would very much advise against that. I mean, it's great to have the experience. I've, I've, I've done it. I've been at a multi-international company, 100,000 employees, whatever. It's an experience. 
something that really works out. But I would mm. never, ever think that's what a person should be doing for the rest of their life. There's a much better place in other companies. They have more value to offer, very, very value, where your contributions actually matter more. more. I talked to a, an ex-colleague a while ago who was thinking about his career changing, and I kind of said to him, yeah, uh, at Microsoft, I mean, if I didn't show up for a certain day, nobody would notice. Sure, that one meeting would have to be cancelled, blah, blah, blah. But for Microsoft, mm. that wouldn't matter. Where I'm working now, if I am away for a week, uh, we need to plan that. Mm. And that makes me feel good. Mm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. But I, I don't think, I think we're talking... Uh, Cross purposes, I think we're we are in violent agreement here because I'm I'm saying that if someone enjoys a particular, let's say they really enjoy that startup lifestyle, and so they, but you know, what they're part of a force reduction, mm -hmm. so they have to leave that that lifestyle, that uh, that organization. That you know, to your point, maybe they love the they love the chaos slash agility. But they need, you know, they need uh, a job to pay the bills, so they take a job at a, you know, the example they use here is a bank. Yep. What's but to say they like it? No, but what's to say that they do like it? What if they don't? What exactly. if they don't like it? What if they still want to go back to that? I'm saying that if they want to go back to that, I'm no. saying it's very likely that they will go back to that. So. This whole thing about digital talent will return to more conventional organizations, I think is... Uh, it's not uh, a return. It's more that the traditional organizations don't get the new influx, and now they will. And new people will start working at a bank, and hey, this isn't bad. Mm. And people that thought they enjoyed the chaos of startups suddenly get into more structured environments and may just think, hey. So I don't think that... When you have a forced move to, to a traditional solution and the moment something ends up that 100% of those people go back. No, there will no. be much more freedom. There will be much yeah, more yeah. cross. And at the moment, I do believe that, of course, it's correct that the, the fan companies have more of their fair than a fair share of talent at the moment because of all the marketing around it, because of the hype, the, the sexiness of those jobs, that banks, banks used to be sexy. I mean, mm. 50 years ago, if you were working at a bank, you made it. Today, if you're working at Google, you've made it. And in both <laughs> cases, it's BS. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's just how the things work. It's what's sexy. And also, banking isn't banking the way your grandfather saw it. I mean, fintech mm. is one of the most complicated, can I say sexy, businesses at the moment. I mean, it's a combination of anything tech. There's loads of budget. You can do a lot of fun. Yeah. And actually, you can see that the fintech companies are doing more exciting stuff than a Microsoft or a, a Google. Okay, they don't create open AI and things like that. But again, those are, those are the mastodon projects. Mm. Fintech can be very, very sexy. And that's also yeah. what I want to look at here. Conventional organizations don't exist. The conventional organizations have also moved at the time and have become much more IT, which digitalized, digital transformation, everybody. So <laughs> saying working for finance isn't the same thing today as it was 20 years ago. Uh, yes, but I still think there are a lot of 
what I would term conventional organizations out there. I think that a lot of organizations have evolved. You're right. Like, and there are certainly certain sectors, 100% agree with you, like fintech is definitely not um, the, the tiled old world of, of, of banking as was back in the day. It's a very, very different space uh, for sure. Uh, but I still think there are a lot of perhaps more traditional organizations. I, I think the it's the use of the word conventional that kind of throws me off a little bit because conventional, depending on how you think about it or how you define it, I think it, it could could mean different things. Whereas, For me, it means existed 20 years ago. Existed okay. pre-internet. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, so for me, I I would swap that word out, and I know that like that's not the word they use, but the way that I think about more about this is traditional organisations, and I. What does that mean? For me, that means organisations that have not gone through the kind of evolution that you're talking. So, um, okay, in that case, you're right. That's you would just. I mean, even. If I'm working at Google, if at a certain point Google stops evolving with the times, mm. they become a traditional company. Mm. So I think conventional is, in my opinion, a better term. Mm. But hey. Opinions are like eyebrows. Everybody has to? Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's, I just don't think that... I mean, I want to throw another one in there. Yeah, go for it. I mean, I've been at my current company for almost four years now, and in mm -hmm. the technology world, and certainly as a solution architect, that's kind of long. So this is the point where you're thinking your career, I'm going to stay here until my pension, or am I going to look around again? Uh, just to put a bit of extremities on there. And I've been looking around. I mean, I always look around, but just looking at where I potentially might go, at the moment, I think we talked about this a couple of times already as well, there are no, in my, for, for me, interesting, non-conventional, non-traditional, whatever I call them, companies out there. I've kind of done it all. Well, no, I definitely didn't do it all. But I've been in the big data space, I've been in the BI space, I've been in the micro space. And just looking around for something that's new, exciting, I can learn from, is getting harder. So... When this came up and we practiced a little bit, I was actually thinking to myself, yeah, but I'm only looking at that narrow field of the stuff that I know. So maybe mm. I, and actually that's what the article I think is saying, mm. maybe I should look further and see something else. Mm. Now, when I do that, you're right. I get all of these dinosaur <laughs> images in my head. <laughs> uh, bearskin shorts, Beer, whatever, mm -hmm. uh, beard, uh, and I, yeah, I couldn't see myself do it yeah. unless forced, as you say. But mm -hmm. I'm also wondering what am I missing? Yeah, I. I mean, I've I've gone. Well, we, we I think we t probably touched on this a little bit in the the sort of the career path um, sessions that we did a little while back. I've I've gone like smaller and smaller and smaller like with each job change that I've made and it hasn't been a conscious decision I have not 
consciously looked for smaller and smaller companies to go and work for. But I think what I have found about myself is that I, I really enjoy the, the growth journey. And so it's, it's not been about working at smaller and smaller and smaller companies. It's been about working at smaller companies that then go through that explosive sort of growth journey over the course of, you know, somewhere between three to five plus years. Um, you know, so yeah, Hortonworks, Hortonworks slash Cloudera was probably 200 ish people when I joined and was over 3000 when I, I left over the course of around about five years. You were very productive, I hear. Well, I'm not sure about that, but it was a, it was a very, very, very fun journey. Um, not without its challenges and not without its bumps along the way. Um, and you know, Grafana Labs where I'm at at the moment, you know, less than 50 people in the company when I joined and now well over um, sort of 1100 people in the last um, kind of four-ish years, nearly four years. And that again has been so far an absolutely sort of amazing journey. And that, that I found is the, the kind of thing that I enjoy. Now, if, if we're going back to this sort of digital talent will return to more conventional organizations, couldn't you do the same oh. thing in the traditional environment? In my experience, no, but I would caveat that with, I think there are always, there are always centers of innovation, even with within large conventional organizations. So if I think back further in my career into my kind of deep and, mm. and distant past. Conventional doesn't need to be large. True. I've had a new kind of sneakers and I want to start selling the sneaker. It's traditional, it's clothing, you can't get more traditional mm -hmm. than that, but it is still a startup. True, true. I I tend not to think about that particular paradigm. <laughs> Again, I tend that. to think, yeah, exactly. But even like if I, if I go back and, and think about, you know, I spent 11 years or thereabouts at Rolls-Royce military aero engines, um, like aeronautical engineering, I spent time doing everything from oh, engine testing, engine simulation, computational fluid dynamics, engine simulation, um, like mechanical engineering, all sorts of all sorts of different stuff. But there were like I I would I would think about that as being a more conventional or traditional organization. But at the same time, there were definitely parts within that business and within that organization that um, were far more, far more innovative, far more focused on you know what was happening in the future. And you know, I, I still keep in touch with one or two people from there, and I know that there's a you know, some of those departments, teams, divisions are you know focusing on things around 
AI and around um, sort of uh, fully virtualized concepts, um, as in kind of VR-related VR, stuff, yeah. and have been for you know many many years and various different differing levels of um, advancement. And you know, for for that particular industry, those things are seen as very very cutting edge. Now, you know, switching across to a more cutting edge startup well not not just startup but fang type organization that you were talking about earlier you know those kind of topics and those kind of concepts would be seen as relatively run-of-the-mill probably so i don't know it's not with that difference that in the fang environment it will never leave the beta stage because the moment it's cool and it works it's not interesting anymore so they drop it that's the google graveyard <laughs> definition basically, while in a traditional environment, it actually gets to production. So depending where your affinity lies, again, there is a potential in both. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I think this is this is a it's an interesting topic, but I'm not quite it definitely stimulates a lot of conversation, but I'm not quite sure what conclusion I can really draw from this, apart from the fact that obviously if there's a lot of people on the market because of these force reductions, they're going to go want to go somewhere. Um, and frankly, there are also still a lot of organizations that are still hiring. There's a shortage um, everywhere. Yeah. So I, I think it's a little bit naive to say that, and it doesn't say all digital talent will return to conventional organizations. It just says digital talent will return to more conventional organizations. But I I think it's I think that's kind of a little bit naive. I think what we will see is we will just see people move around and some people will probably stay wherever they move for a while and some people will stay there for less time and will move to other less conventional organizations. And I uh, yeah. I'm not yeah. quite sure what they're trying to get for me, I'm going to say, and it's a great place at the end of an episode to say this, that their premise is probably wrong. Because they're mm. seeing the uh, layoffs as a return to a stable situation. That's how it's going to stay mm. now. And if you think of this like we had the pandemic, massive hiring in this space, pandemic ended. Well, it's not ended yet, but there is the, the effects are less uh, tangible. So mm. we go back to the normal again. Possible. But what if there hadn't been a war in Europe? What if the oil crisis that we're in hadn't happened, gas crisis, whatever, energy crisis, let's call it that? Mm. Would the levels of pandemic have sustained? Because most people, most companies, as you mentioned, do forward thinking. And they hired mm. with bad forward thinking. Well, maybe not. They just didn't expect a war to break out. Hey, call us optimists, why not? Because if the war hadn't broken out, yes, there would have been a kind of return back to traditional environments, but there would not have been the same fear of a recession. VC money would probably be more alive still, and mm. the layoffs would probably not have been necessary. Now, this war is going to end one way or the other. Let's hope one way and not the other way. And if that happens, stability and already you see that even though the war is still happening, because it's a now status quo kind of war, it's not spreading mm. further, 
things are peaking up again. Stock markets have been growing up, have been coming up again. The stock I have, I see, got a dip, and now it's getting, it's not nowhere near the original levels, but it is going mm. up again. When that war goes away, I think that we will return not just to pandemic levels, but to higher levels than that, with already a shortage of people. So that's why I disagree with them that they will return and stay. Well, maybe the people that return will stay, will stay there, but the new people at a certain point will again go to the, the hot and sexy big marketing companies. Mm. And the traditional will have, they, traditional now has a chance to improve their image and to also become poster childs for new key. For, is that the right word? To become a good place for new people, new influx yeah. to come to. Yeah, yeah. And if they take this, then they can keep their momentum. If they don't, uh, we will be back in pre-pandemic situations in no time. Once the war ends, and I, I hope tomorrow, I hope yesterday. Mm. But of course, that's the big uh, question mark for me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, scarily enough, I think I agree with you. Oh, God, no. Well, on that note. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And on that bombshell, uh, that's all the time we have today. So you can support this podcast by becoming a Patreon. Every contribution really does help. We are on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, and do all the YouTube things. You can also go to RoaringElephant.org for a link to our Patreon page. And for more information about the podcast, you can follow us, mainly Jan, on Twitter using the at RoaringElephant tag. And of course, always you can send your feedback to podcast at RoaringElephant.org via the good, old-fashioned, venerable email. Until next time, my name is not particularly traditional Dave. And my name is, if there's any VC there wants to pump money in the podcast, talk to me. Jon? No, no, talk to me. No, 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 no. I said it first. <laughs> Timing is everything. <laughs> um, we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye. See you then.